When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So no listener intro today, just your standard smorgasbord of tennis greats. Uh, we will, uh, listener intros will be back. If you want to bagsy yourself a listener intro, there is one more week left to do so. That is when our Kickstarter campaign closes uh, in a week's time. Um, we've hit our target. We're delighted about that. We are overwhelmed and thankful for all of the support that you've shown but if you want to bag yourself an intro, a shout out, take us on in the predictions. Um, I think there's one pet mascot slot still open. Uh, then you can do so for one week more. Um, and yeah, hello, Bentley, our weekly pet mascot for this week. He's a lovely Hungarian Vizsla puppy. Uh, speaking of puppies, apologies once again for any sound effects that may accompany hopefully just the opening stages of this podcast. Billie Jean has been placed in Guantanamo and she's looking at me very pathetically at the moment, but I'm certain she'll settle down and realise it's not so bad after all. David, how are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, no, I'm fine. Uh, I've been, I, I am struggling to watch all the tennis that's happened and now I'm going to go to zero which which is the next two weeks. So uh, I find that a bit jarring, but, you know, it's a pandemic. So <laughs> you should just, you know, accept that, really. It is indeed a pandemic. Matt, how are you doing? <laughs> yes, okay, thank you. A lot, of, a lot of mixed emotions, I think. Excited for the tennis to come, kind of sad we can't be there, nervous about it. Could it go wrong still? There's a lot going on at the moment. It's, it's still an uncertain time. Yeah. How is everyone feeling about all the social media selfies of tennis players on planes to Australia? I am just great. experiencing crippling FOMO. Uh, anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit irritated. <laughs> um, but to be honest, I suppose at least they're on the planes and they're going and that sort of suggests that tennis events are getting closer and the Australian Open is getting closer. The the news that we've had this morning, I, I found harder to uh, to hear and stomach and, and feel positive about. Okay, we, I was coming to that, David. I was We were doing chit-chat before the big, the big news bombshell. Well, I'm just telling you my answer. 
<laughs> that's it. Well, Matt, we'd better go in with the news before we get your answer, because otherwise we'll we'll look like teases, thanks to David Law. Um, Andy Murray, uh, we're he- hearing the news this morning, uh, has tested positive for COVID-19 uh, and is uh, isolating and quarantining at his home in Surrey. Uh, now, what this means for his travel to the Australian Open, we just don't know at the moment. He obviously won't be able to get one of those charter flights which are leaving today. Uh, many of them have already left, in fact. Um, but we understand that discussions are ongoing with Craig Tiley and the Australian authorities, and he still hopes to be able to travel to Melbourne. But exactly how and when, and even if, is very much up in the air yeah it's um it's jarring isn't it and uh, i mean it comes off the back of uh tennis sangren i i couldn't really i was struggling to follow his story overnight i mean you can perhaps fill in a few details of it but i mean basically they've got their set of rules which we know about and then different events different occurrences are happening and and andy murray's tested positive but it seems like it was some days ago. So he's got a period of time before that he must isolate and test negative before getting on the plane. But then you assume he still needs to do the two-week quarantines. And I suppose, really, you're looking at, what, a week? A week in hand, if you consider the uh, the pre-Australian Open events. That I mean, I guess you could miss those events and just go straight into the Australian Open, maybe you can fit that in still. Um, it's not ideal at the very least, but it's and it's quite, yeah. It just makes you feel. I feel a bit uncomfortable just not knowing not knowing where we stand. Really, I don't really know. I don't really know what the rules are now. Yeah, well, just to fill you in on that tennis angrin situation, um, an article. In The Guardian this morning, US tennis player Tennis Sangren flying to Australian Open despite positive COVID test. Uh, The American says he first tested positive in November and tournament organisers argue he's therefore not infectious. Um, So he is on a flight bound for Melbourne as we speak, I think. Um, Tennis Australia reportedly intervened so he could board that charter fight despite testing positive for COVID-19 in a series of tweets. And it was quite bizarre how it all emerged via this series of tweets. Um, Sangren initially suggested he would not be able to board the flight for the Australian Open, writing, quote, COVID positive over Thanksgiving, which of course was uh, the end of November last year. And... COVID positive on Monday. Uh, Later, Sangren, a quarter-finalist at last year's Open, added it appeared he would be able to board the chartered flight before before lauding the Tennis Australia chief executive Craig Tiley as a wizard. Um, He then explained his first positive test was in November and he was now, quote, totally recovered. I was sick in November, totally healthy now. There's not a single documented case where I would be contagious. At this point, and the Australian Open suggested Victorian health authorities had given Sangren the all clear to fly. The tournament's official Twitter account said people who had recovered and were non-infectious can continue to shed the virus for several months. Victorian government public health experts assess each case based on additional detailed medical records to ensure they're not infectious before checking into the charter flights players and their teams are tested every day from their arrival in australia a much stricter process than for anyone else in hotel quarantine um so whether he will 
if he continues to test positive upon arrival, whether he will be allowed out for the five hours per day. I mean, there, there are still questions to be answered, Reed Tennis Angren. Um, my big question is, who is his practice partner supposed to be? Because um, I'd be making calls if I were that person. Um, the story is somewhat complicated by the fact that it's Tennis Angren, somebody that is very outspokenly opposed to COVID-19 regulations and restrictions. Um, and that that makes you not want to be sympathetic with him over this. That makes you, or it certainly makes me feel uncomfortable with the rules being flexed um, to allow him to play. Um, but I suppose you have to trust the, the, the medical professionals in in this case. I mean, it does, it's disconcerting that they are medical professionals who haven't specifically examined him. Um, but I mean, it, it's a, it's a quagmire, isn't it? It's a real quagmire. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they they put out a statement, uh, the Australian Open, about Tennis Sengren in particular. But I still don't completely understand the rules. And, and now I think that they probably need to, when they make a, a verdict on Andy Murray, for instance, or anybody else who has the situation, they need to find a way to just... Make it very clear exactly, and and not just not to people like us. It's it's to it's I particularly feel for the the people from Australia who are trying to get back to Australia who are saying they're stranded overseas, you know. And and actually, the last line of the Australian Open statement is this one about um, players will undergo a more rigorous testing schedule than most returning travellers. Um, you know, I think that's an important point. But at the same time, you can imagine the locals just thinking, well, you're bending over backwards for, for all, all these tennis players. And, and what about us? Why don't you do that for us? And you're also with this rule flex, implicitly saying that that the results of tests are not binding and are not gospel and are not the only thing only evidence on which we make our case-by-case basis decisions um, which will allow for situations where players test positive and players will test positive or and certainly team members will test positive 1500 1500 people coming in 1500 plus people are going to test positive and they'll say but I've got no symptoms or I had it in November I can't possibly be positive and infectious now these sorts of things are and situations are going to arise, I think, and it, it it's going to get messy inevitably. Yeah, it seems like they did have two very clear rules, which were you have to be on a chartered flight and you have to return a negative test. And they've had two incidents now which are making those rules difficult and they've broken one of them in terms of we know that Tennis Sanguin has returned a positive test. I trust the medical assessment of the doctors, but that rule has been broken and Tennis Sanguin is on a flight to the Australian Open. The question is now whether they will break that second rule about the chartered flight and Andy Murray. We we heard, I think, that Carlos Meyer won't be going to the Australian Open to be with Rafael Nadal because he's not travelling at the moment and that will mean he's missed the chartered flight, so he's not going what do they do about Andy Murray? There's, it feels like they can't have it both ways to me. I, I think they had these rules in place. They were 
to me they seem like good rules but as at the first point of them being a little bit tricky it kind of feels like they've folded a little bit and i find that a little bit problematic especially as you say david with already tennis players being prioritized ahead of australian residents and exemptions being made it's it's a messy uncomfortable situation i think the only thing for it is to charter a plane just for andy murray (laughs) the the bigger the better just for the lols some sort of uh, airbus a380 (laughs) andy murray in business jamie delgado in the back Living it up in uh, in the whole of economy, just run, running up and down the aisles. <laughs> what is it about Andy Murray in the Australian <laughs> Open? Yeah, it's it does a feel like play it without an without an event happening. You know, without some drama. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what is it about Andy Murray? Full stop. I mean, guy can't catch a break, can he? I mean, yeah. Um, so that is that's kind of your your overnight your overnight breaking news. Um, yeah, and get well soon to him. I mean, yeah. I, does, I don't think he's unwell, is he? But you know, it, it, yeah, the, hope the, he's... we've heard he's in good health. Whether that means mm. he's got mild symptoms or I, or he's asymptomatic, I don't know. But it, certainly, reports are that he's not, you know, stricken with it badly at this stage. But um, yeah, absolutely, we uh, we wish him well. And, uh, gosh, we wish Kim well as well, because she presumably is homeschooling three kids on her own now uh, with her husband stuck in a bedroom in uh, in a different portion of the house. Uh, And we wish all of you well if you're homeschooling. David came on the call this morning with a slightly ashen complexion, (laughs) might I say, David, would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, but <laughs> yes. some of the printing rules for uh, my son's schoolwork, um, yeah, we, we, we've we've got a bit mixed up about our timings, and uh, and so yes, he's made a little entrance to uh, to the podcast room. Yes, Catherine and I were witness <laughs> to a slightly tense exchange. Little bit tetchy. <laughs> some scolding for sarcasm. Yeah. Um, so yes, if you're homeschooling, I mean, frankly, if you're struggling in any way, which I'm sure you are, um, who isn't at the moment? Billie Jean certainly is. She's making her presence felt. Um, she's getting closer and closer to scaling those those walls. I'm anxious about. Oh my god, her head was over the top then. Um, yeah, we are. We're thinking of you. We are, and um, yeah, we're going to be in your ears throughout. Uh, talking well I mean talking about tennis for now of course there's going to be a two-week hiatus of live tennis don't worry Uh, we've got plenty to entertain you in the meantime not least (laughs) Billie Jean King week yes you were going to say Billie Jean King Billie Billie Jean see she's quietened down now that's all she wanted to Billie Jean to the rescue that's been going on for the last 70 odd years (laughs) and uh, (laughs) now we've got another one who wants to get in on the act (laughs) Billie Jean King week is next week starting from Monday and then it is Australian Open relived week so don't you worry folks Uh, we got you covered for the next two weeks of quarantine hiatus and of course we'll have Andy Murray tries to get to Australia news uh, for however long that might uh, might keep us entertained for that that could be some saga couldn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can already see writ large on david's face emergency podcast emergency podcast <laughs> <laughs>
Um, right then, but for now, we're going to relish and revel in the fact that we have actual tennis to talk about. We have finals, we have results, we have trophies being lifted. It's all glorious. We have Arena Sabalenka, who for once has picked up where she left off at the end of the previous season. She started this year with the title 6-2-6-2 in the final in Abu Dhabi over Kudamatova. So that's three successive titles now, Ostrava. Ostrava! Um, oh gosh, I was worried I'd woken the beast then. Ostrava, <laughs> Lintz, and at the end of last season, and Abu Dhabi now. It's a 15-match winning streak, um, and that's included wins over Coco Goff, Jennifer Brady, Victoria Azarenka, Lise Mertens, Ons Jabeur, Maria Sakkari, um, and now Kudamatova, who, um, who was victorious over... Marta Kostyuk in the semi-finals. You sold, sold me a dud there, Matt. More of that <laughs> in a moment. Um, so she's done something here, Sabalenka, that she's not done before in terms of picking up where she left off the previous season. Does that mean that at a Grand Slam now, she's going to do something that she's not done before? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, she's done something she's not done before by helping me to get some points early mm-hmm. on in the season in the predictions in the newsletter. So uh, thanks for that, Arena. Um, but, I mean, first of all, just about her performances, um, I'll, I'll let Matt give you the details because he's watched more of her matches than I have. I did watch last night while I was preparing the agenda for this. I decided to go back and watch some of the match against Sakari because I missed that at the time. And I couldn't quite believe the scoreline, you know, the, the, how one-sided it looked, given how well Sakari had played. We were talking about her the other day um, and all the, the winners she'd been hitting. And I was thinking, well, how come she hasn't made an impact against Sabalenka? And it was... It was like watching a cartoon of a superhero, a Marvel film, something like that, where no matter what you throw at the character, Mishi is just dismissing it as though it's nothing, as though she's got her shields up, nothing can penetrate, and by the way, she's also got weapons that can blow you off the court. And that's what she was doing to Sakari. She was treating her like a pea shooter. Uh, and and um, I was... I shouldn't be taken aback because I've seen her win Wuhan a couple of times. Very similar court. Um, Nigel Sears told me yesterday that um, the court was lightning fast. He, he was over there with uh, Annette Contivate, who'd who'd lost in this first round to, to Kudamatova. And I was trying to work out well, why, why is Sabalenka so awesome at the moment? And, and I think the speed of the court, she in a fast court, if she's on, I don't see how you beat her, really. Um, but it's, it's focus, it's confidence, and I, I still can't quite understand the difference between her really good days like this and her absolutely appalling days, which often seem to happen at Grand Slams, where she loses to somebody you can't believe. But I do feel that going into this Australian Open, she's a a real contender for the title. Um, She's not the favourite to me. She's in a pool of players that I could definitely see winning it. Um, We've got a name for that pool of players, David. (laughs) What's this pool, Jack? (laughs) She's officially in the mix, folks. Matt, in the mix? Let's remind ourselves of the mix definition. 
The mixed definition is you would not be surprised if she won the title. I mean, there is one giant thing and that she's never even reached the quarterfinal mm. of a slam before. I would slightly say that she's not had that many really bad losses at slams. I've always put it that she just hasn't had any really good wins. Mm. She's lost to decent players, but not been able to find her best tennis at the slams for some reason. So it is quite a big step to say that she can then win the title without performing a bit better at slams. But we do see players do that quite a lot. Um, it, it was quite the experience to be watching Sabalenka on one screen and sort of on, on the screen next to it, I had the Australian Open qualifying up. And it was, it was kind of like watching a cup tie knowing that the Australian Open qualifiers had Man City or Liverpool in the next round. You're like, they are competing to have to play against someone in the form that Sabalenka's in. And she looks unstoppable when she plays like that. I've talked about finding Sabalenka matches quite difficult to watch when she's not at her best because she's so erratic and there's no rhythm to it whatsoever. But there was an incredible rhythm to her matches. It was just her hitting winners the whole time. She had so much time on the ball. It felt instinctive. It was just awesome tennis. But there has been this this block for her at the majors. It's not it's not totally out of the ordinary what she did this week. Yes, it was carrying on from last season, which she's not really done before. But we have seen her play like this ahead of majors and not carry it through. So she's in the mix, but she can't, I don't think, be considered an absolute favourite given her record at the slams. You can only have Sabalenka or Pliskova in your mix, who do you have? I have Sabalenka. That's a great, that's a great question. Uh, because, and, I, and I do feel that, I mean, although there are many more years of service from Pliskova to, to kind of give you the feeling that she produces pre-slam and not during slam, there's a, there's a bit of a trend developing, a bit of a, uh, a, a comparison in that way. Um, I'd go Sabalenka if, you, if, if I could choose one of the two to, to be in it, yeah. What about you? I've been so burned by both of them before. <laughs> I feel like a scorned lover with them both. Um, but yes, I think Sabalenka. I think Sabalenka. She, I mean, you, you, it's not out of the question that she could just go and do what Sviantek's done mm. or Andrescu's done. Mm. The, spe- the speed of the court's case you make is quite compelling though the Australian Open unless they've made changes this this year will be slower um yeah 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 it has been I think it has been a bit Mm. slower hasn't it in recent years yeah they had a couple of years where they sped it up I think but the last couple of years I can't remember what last year was I think it's been slower the last couple of years yeah certainly slower than the the US Open I think it's the the slower of the two hard court hard court majors um, we, we're, we're making a concerted effort, aren't we, to say majors rather than slams because we've we've had a telling off about it from Billie Jean <laughs> King. That's a little preview for for you of uh, if Billie Jean King week next week. Um, I feel I've, I've every time I've said slams, I've I've had a little shudder at myself. I now feel very self conscious well, about I've, it. I've had the same wince ever since I got ticked off about. 15 years ago by bud collins <laughs> for the same thing um, the the great broadcaster and and journalist for the boston globe who sadly no longer with us lovely bloke um and just you know we, we've talked about him during tennis relive but i always remember writing a 
I think I, I might have written, written some sort of press release or something, or maybe daily notes back when I was at the ATP and, and them going out to all the journalists and and him he he clearly read every word because uh, he he replied very politely, but just to say a grand slam is something that Rod Laver and Donald Budge and Steffi Graf did. Um, it's not the same. They're majors. Copy. Mm. We're, we're working on it. It's like the new pronunciation of Warinka. I'm still working on that. Oh, oh it, yeah. it just, I haven't got that down at all. While we're in pronunciation corner, we have a, we have an amendment to make. Uh, well, I have a mere corner, actually. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, I'm, you know how I was uh, I, I mid sentence told Catherine actually it's Sasha Bajin. <laughs> Turns out it's not. <laughs> it's Sasha Bain, everybody. Sasha Bain. Yeah. We're back let's to just, let's just you know we're at, Matt's looking at me as if to say, I mean, you could have just asked me. <laughs> no, I just find this whole thing very confusing. I woke up to a, a very entertaining <laughs> stream of messages in which David revealed that the source for his <laughs> for his sort of error was Sasha Bain himself, <laughs> and it was the same as the source of his correction of the error yeah that's what i was very confused about yeah well it was an interview that he'd done with john wertheim a couple of years back and uh first question john says clear something up for us how do we say your name and as he said it the the phone line sort of crackled <laughs> and i thought he'd said bajin um turns out he hadn't so uh, i've been corrected by a number of people thank you twitter <laughs> It has has its uses. Correcting us all on our pronunciations apparently is one of them. Uh, so yeah, apologies, Sasha Bain. Uh, we will never make that mistake again. Over in Delray Beach, we have our first men's winner of the year. It is Hubert Hercatch. It's his second ATP title. He beat Sebastian Corda in the final. Um, he's twenty three. He's now thirty five in the world. Uh, his mother is a junior tennis champion. His uncles were both tennis players. Uh, his favourite actor is Jason Statham. Why am I reading out his bio? <laughs> I read. I wrote this agenda, everybody. I thought. This... <laughs> Why am I reading out his whole bio, David? <laughs> Catherine's only just found out what I've put. Um, <laughs> but, uh... Why is the fact that his favourite actor is Jason Statham? Lol. By the way, uh, <laughs> in in our agenda, David. Well, because it's lol. Right. What does that mean again? <laughs> uh, he hopes that his peers consider him thoughtful and kind to others, fiercely passionate about tennis, competitive, but never a sore loser. Correct. Uh, what, just so my mum knows, what does lol mean? Laugh out loud. Not Laugh lots loud, of love, yeah. and no. as, uh, as David Cameron uh, yeah. once said. Uh, no, I, the reason I did this is because I, I watched some of that final the the latter stages of it, and I suddenly thought about Hubert Hurtcatch. You thought, who's his favourite actor? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I've known this guy for a couple of years as as a player who's in the top fifty, and I've watched some of his matches, and I like watching him play, and I don't feel like I know anything about him. So I went and looked on his bio uh, to see. They, they said it was his second title, so I went and decided I'd look up what the first one is. I now can't remember what it is. Winston but I found Salem. Out what, Winston Salem, right? Okay, but I did find out that his favourite actor was Jason Statham, um, and and it was it was just quite interesting to read up a little bit about him. Do you feel like you know uh, him better now? A, a little bit, yeah. It's important I mean, I to know was... where people stand on Jason Statham. I think it's a, it's a good so. marker for 
how you, how you view yeah, people. I, I wasn't expecting that, I must say. Um, but I was, I, I felt encouraged to go and look him up because the commentators for the match were Simon Reed and Miles McLagan, who were just great company as commentators. I just, I, re- I mean. it's not everybody I feel like you feel that about when you're watching a tennis match I mean I'm sure I can irritate the pants off everybody who's watching when I'm doing a match but um, Simon Reid and and Miles they were great and they were giving me little bits of info about these players that I didn't know and and I realised yeah I just don't know that much about Hubert Hercatch Um, where does he figure in all of it how far is he going to go in the world do you think and I asked the questions here David I'm just curious how top how will, 20 do you do you feel illuminated matt in your knowledge of hubert hercatch now do you feel like you know him better thanks to david's extensive research <laughs> i didn't feel like hubert hercatch was top of my list in terms of gaps of knowledge i've i've oh what do you know about him well i, I feel like he's quite private he's he's under the radar he won the paris doubles last year with Auger Aliassime. That was that was a fun pairing. Um, he gave a very nice quote this week about Igor Świątek's impact in Poland and how kind of inspiring that is to him and how great it is to see her doing what she's doing. He's He kind of looks a bit like Andy Murray on the court. He's kind mm. of a mix of Andy Murray and Kevin Anderson, I think, the way, in, the way he hits the ball. Yeah, I mean, just the technique on his backhand is very similar. Just to look at him, the way he stands is quite Murray-esque. He's kind of one of those players who has probably done more than the attention he's received, I would say. He's he's quietly gone about his business and had really solid results without without anything groundbreaking. Sort of steady progress. Consistency isn't sexy. Exactly. That's why we haven't been talking about it. (laughs) Who was it who said that again? Matt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, about Wendy And Turnbull. subsequently, people <laughs> everywhere. God, you know loads about Hubert Hercatch, Matt. I'm glad I asked. Mm. I didn't see the final, though. I was watching Fulham. I, I did not see the final. But I did see one it with, a, with an excellent lob against Corder. Oh, that was, that was a shank. Oh, was it a shank? Oh, OK. <laughs> I think it was a shank, yeah. Who has the greater potential? Hubert Hercatch or Sebastian Corder. He was a bit impeded by injury in the final quarter, wasn't he? But uh, wins for him this week over John Isner, who won't be travelling to Australia, by the way. Uh, Tommy Paul, uh, Cameron Norrie in the semis. Um, he's 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 not going to be going to Australia either, Sebastian Corder. He made the decision to play Dari Beach rather than entering uh, qualies for Australia. Um, but who he's obviously younger than Hercatch, who... Who has the greater potential? That's a, that's a good question. I have no idea. Right, then moving on uh, to Antalya. <laughs> I would say Corder. I, I think Corder's making some real strides. Um, and he's, I mean, he, he's a lot younger, isn't he? He's about, isn't he about three or four years mm. younger? Yes. I yeah. like Corder yeah. a lot. He's, he's very smooth and easy to watch mm. and... I feel like there's quite a lot more to come from him. Yeah, the the, the reason I think I say that about uh, Hercatch is six foot five, and he doesn't feel six foot five. He doesn't feel like a big guy out there to me, really. Um, Corder has a bit more presence and a bit more swagger, and he's a bit more confident. I don't I don't know how much that matters. I mean, but I, I I'm not convinced that Hercatch will 
own these big stages mm. in the way that he would need to. Alex de Menor has become a title winner at the start of 2021. He won the Antalya title. He defeated Alexander Bublik uh, in a very much curtailed final to love uh, and a retirement at that stage from Bublik. Um, he beat Goffa in the semi-finals. He'd beaten uh, Nicholas Basilashvili. He's 21. He's ranked 23 in the world. He has a tattoo of 109 on his chest. He would be a golf- he, he would be a golfer if not a tennis player. And he supports Real Madrid. It's good having me doing the gender, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that his, isn't that his Australian Davis Cup number or something? Yes. He's the 109th player to be selected for the Davis Cup team of Australia. Mm. He's tattooed on his chest. I love how, that. Do you know how how big... I, I'm I'm surprised by this. He didn't strike me as a chest tattoo kind of guy. Do you know how, how big it is? It's small. Small. Okay, we're not talking about sort of Harry Styles type no. thing. I read his bio rather than examining his chest. Right. Well, what part of his chest is it on, Matt? <laughs> It's it's near one of his nipples. <laughs> on a on a pectoral muscle. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> well anyway, that that surprised me. Who has the greater potential out of uh, Alex de Menor, <laughs> Sebastian Corda, and uh, whoever the other one was, Hubert Hercatch. De Menor. So do we think de Menor has more potential than Sebastian Corda? I think so. I don't know that. I don't know enough about Cordy. Yeah, no. I would. That's because you I didn't put his bio in the <laughs> in the agenda, David. No. Who's his favourite actor? I'll, I'll look into that. <laughs> okay. I mean, Dumanor has been a very very solid player now for a while, and had his best Slam result at the U.S. Open last year. He's he's he always starts the season well. Normally, obviously, in Australia, and last year he actually took himself out of the Australian Open, didn't he, by getting injured at the ATP Cup. Mm. There was oh, he had yeah. some real momentum behind him. So I hope he can stay fit. And, and, and the previous the year he'd Open. won the title in Sydney, hadn't yeah. he? And then got scheduled to play the next day yes. at the Australian Open and ended up losing in the first round, didn't he? No, no he, I think he, he lost in that. the third round. He, 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 he was um, running on fumes. He was one of Nadal's victims. Oh, yes. OK. Well, I that doesn't quite work play. then. Ignore me. I, I can watch Dimonor play against lots of different mm. types of players. Some some players I only like in certain matchup matchups, but Dimonor I could watch pretty much against anybody because he because he's he's got the speed of a, of a counter puncher and yet he's got the attitude of a of an offensive mm. strike first player. Yeah, it's the attitude with Dimonor which really impresses me whenever I watch him play. If it's a very weird Australian Open, a la the current Premier League season, could he be in the mix? No. I don't think he's in the mix yet. I, I just feel that in in the men's game, there are two or three that are so much better than everybody else. That it, that even if it's weird. Very, it's mm. just very it small, the mix. so weird. You know, even even with without Nadal playing and with without Federer and with Djokovic getting himself defaulted, we still ended up with the next one winning mm. it, didn't we? Really? Mm. Uh, and I think that that's I th- I could definitely see Dimonor with a decent draw getting to the quarterfinals, but I can't see him beating one of those guys. Sebastian Corda, his idols growing up were Radek Stepanek, 
Rafael Nadal and his father. He's got a cat named after Nadal called Rafa. His favourite surface is clay. His favourite shot is his backhand. His favourite tournament is the US Open. If he wasn't a tennis player, he would have liked to have been a hockey player or golfer. And he supports the Boston Bruins in NHL. Good, aren't they, Bios? His sisters are real stars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Jessica, Jessica and, and Nelly. Nelly. Mm. Yes. Great name, Nelly. Like the elephant. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Um, right then, so that is uh, tour-level results wrapped up for you. We've, of course, also had uh, the Australian Open qualifying events happening this week, both the men's and the women's. Um, uh, several interesting results on the men's side. You've got Bernard Tomic, who's managed to qualify 7-6 in the third over John Patrick Smith. He played three three-setters. Uh, Victor- Saved a match point in the second one. S- great. Um, Only so- fans to Melbourne Park. What a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, his he really seemed committed um, and I can only interpret that as evidence that his uh, porn career has has not <laughs> panned out as he had hoped. It's a great troll, isn't it? The, the, the one-time Australian starlet who they had videos of at 15, you know, as the next big thing. And here he is having 
in the view of many, just tossed his career away. And he's 28 and he's not done anything. He's not even tried to do anything for a year. And he comes out and he plays like a warrior and gets into the <laughs> main draw. <laughs> uh, Victor Troitschke, age 34, has qualified. Sergei Stokowski, age 35, has qualified. And Carlos Alcaraz, uh, Mats, Mats. Garçon du jour of, uh, of a couple of years ago has also qualified and it's going to be very interesting to see where he lands up in the draw, isn't it? Yeah, and I was reading actually that he's the youngest player to qualify for a slam since Bernard Tomic actually did it about 10 years <laughs> oh, ago. Really? Um, but it's impressive because he lost, didn't he, in French Open qualifying and that was kind of felt a little bit like a letdown at the time he'd had all this momentum <laughs> on the challenger tour and obviously so young it, it's it's not a letdown but to then go go to australian open qualifying and qualify on a hard court i think is very very impressive from him first player born in 2003 to qualify mm. for a grand slam ridiculous uh, and a, a year ago he was 490 in the world and he's won five titles since then three of them challenges um Mm. He's, he's very exciting isn't he I, 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 I kind of want to watch whole matches of him now I've only seen the odd highlight and mainly heard what Matt's had to say but I just sort of want to watch a match now well you will have the opportunity to do that in the middle of the night um, in, in a few weeks time Three. David there was a lot of teenagers who qualified there was Clara Burrell there was Whitney Osigway there was Olga Danilovic, all qualified from the women's tour. And as you said, there's also some older players qualifying. A real, lots of interesting stories, as always, are qualifying. And one of them being the age discrepancy. Maya Sharif, remember her from the French Open? Uh, she's qualified for the main draw. And that's that's really exciting because she she's one that's stuck in my mind from the French Remind Open. Me. She She played a very good match against Pliskova. I think she won the first set. It was a really mm. long tie break. She won it. Uh, she was the first Egyptian ever to reach the main draw of a slam. And now she's qualified again for the Australian Open. And I, I think uh, Reem Abelil pointed out that she won 29 of her last 35 matches, if you include sort of wow. all levels. So she's wow. really, really showing that she belongs at this level. Svetlana Peronkova qualified to expect her to tear through the draw and <laughs> unexpectedly reach the semi-finals or something. She's extraordinary. She just only yeah. plays slams now. She's, she's only played <laughs> yeah. three. And plays them brilliantly. Plays them brilliantly. <laughs> Quarter-final, round three, and now she's qualified for the Australian Open. Excellent. That's brilliant. And the one biggest story, um, and one that I found just quite overwhelming, really, and how uplifting... Um, and needed it's been um, is that of Francesca Jones. You might have you might have heard about this story because there's there's been quite a lot of cut through with it, particularly in the UK. Um, I've heard it reported on on various news outlets because it's just an extraordinary story. We did mention it uh, in our last pod at the end of last week uh, as qualifying was just getting underway. Um, she's a 20-year-old British player, the world number 241. She's born without three toes and two fingers. Um, she was told um, as a young child that she would never be able to play tennis professionally. Um, and she has qualified in, to borrow David's word, ruthless fashion. 
um, for a a major for the first time in her career. Um, she's been the story's been picked up on by by lots of people. She was tweeted by Kim Clijsters, who said, "What an incredible story! Good luck." Um, she said that to her on Twitter, um, and uh, yeah, she suffers from a condition called EED, ectrodactyl ectodermal dysplasia, which is a rare genetic condition uh, that altered the formation of her hands and feet while also leaving her with a cleft palate at birth. Um, she trained at the Sanchez Casal Academy in Spain, which is the, the, the same academy that Andy Murray, uh, came through as a youngster. Um, and she, she said after her win over China's Jia Jing Lu by six, six love, six one in the final round of qualifying, um, she was, she was asked, and this is from uh, a piece by Simon Briggs in the Telegraph. She was asked, um, if she felt she had proved that Dr. Wrong that told her she she wouldn't be able to play professional tennis at the age of eight. She said, I'm not bothered about proving people wrong. I'd rather prove to people that you can and switch the perspective there. The first one is out of revenge and I'm not playing out of revenge. I'm playing to have a positive impact on the people who hopefully read my story. I do hope people can take some, I don't want to say tips because I'm not one to give tips either, but I'd love people to take some strength from my story to build their own and honestly Francesca I do I mean you know I've got absolutely no experience I can liken to to hers in terms of her physical condition or anything but just the will and determination of the young woman is something to behold and it's so I love how reflected it is in the way she plays tennis she plays this completely fearless gutsy style of tennis and it's it's overwhelming it's it's infectious to watch and i really feel uplifted by by her story i think she's she's incredible yeah she comes across to me as either unaware or uninterested in a lot of the trappings of the the sport really and and the 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 little bits and bobs around the edges she doesn't seem to be interested in social media particularly she's she doesn't have current accounts that she's that she's posting to and yeah there's a there's a real business-like air to her tennis and it seemed as i mean we haven't had a chance to interview her yet but it'd be lovely to talk to her in the future uh, but the way she goes about it all is just yeah ask me the questions i'll answer them Give me the tennis balls and I will knock them away for winners. And and you better beat me because I ain't stopping. And and midway through one of those matches, and the second match, I watched the second and third matches of qualifying. And the and the second one, um, uh, she she hit a shot and, and she hit a winner. And she just said, "Come on, Fran!" This <laughs> <laughs> in this in this empty stadium. And I thought, you know, she's just not bothered how that might sound to people. She that is what she needs to do, and she's given it everything in these matches and when she played that third one and she was I think six love three love up and there was a game of several juices and she lost the one and only game that she lost in the match she looked so irritated by having actually lost a game um and then just knuckled down won the match um and it was great great to see and if she says her her goal is to have a positive impact on people well I mean of course, without question, she's she's doing that. But uh, I'd just like to also read out an email that's come in from one of our listeners, Katie Morrison, um, who who says this: "Hello, David, Catherine, Matt, and Billy Jean. 
who's suddenly being a delight over there. Uh, she says, Francesca Jones is someone whose career I follow. And today she made me smile from ear to ear all afternoon. She has a con- genetic condition from the same family of conditions that my own is part of. My own condition presents itself in different ways from Francesca Jones's, but we are one family, a family of those who have an ectodermal dysplasia condition. Most people I've come across have never heard of ectodermal dysplasia family of conditions. Of the many doctors, nurses and dentists I've seen in my life, there are a few that have seen a case before meeting me. As a lifelong tennis fan, watcher, not player, seeing someone with an ectodermal dysplasia condition in the sporting world reminds me that whatever our passions, we cannot let our genetic condition hinder us. Instead, it must drive us to do better. Sorry, my email is more like a novella. I'm sure you're very busy, but I couldn't contain my joy and my cat didn't get excited enough when I told him. Thanks for what you do, folks. And cuddles to Billie Jean. I'm not sure she's earned those at the moment, but she'll get them anyway. Um, thank you, Katie, so much for sending us that email and for allowing us to share it as well. And I hope, I hope Fran Jones hears. I mean, I hope Fran Jones listens just because that would be cool. Uh, but it would be doubly cool if she um, if she got to hear about Katie. And I'm sure there are other Katies out there. Many of them. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see her in in main draw action at the Australian Open. And she doesn't care who she draws in 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 the first round. She's just up for it, isn't she? Whatever it is, she's up for it. She's never even been to Australia before. And uh, yeah, wow. she said she said I'll I'll take on another qualifier or Serena Williams. <laughs> just love that attitude. And um, it would be impressive anyway for a player ranked 241 in the world mm. to qualify for the Australian Open. When you then consider her condition and it just is even more impressive. And um, let's continue to follow her story. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the the marginal gains in this sport, yeah, you know, we're talking about a completely non-marginal loss that she is playing with. Fingers and toes, you know, they're really important. She has to play with a completely different type of racket. She's had to learn to move differently. Everything has to be different. I mean, it just blows my mind, really. Of all the sports that she could be excelling at, it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's one of the most difficult anyway and probably one of the mm. most difficult to adapt to with her condition. I just I find it extraordinary. Quite interesting that she did put some of those experiences with the condition as perhaps a foundation for her mental strength Mm. and that that may have become something that she's able to use now as a a positive. Mm. So my big tennis wish, not prediction, but my wish is that we get to see more of Fran Jones at the Australian Open. Sorry, can I just say, how did you find watching qualifying? Because I really liked it, that totally stripped back version of tennis. I think I've slightly struggled at times with this, with tennis being stuck in between. And I totally understand all the measures that are that are in place to try and make the sport safe at the moment and just to be able to play. But when tennis is at its best, it is... It's between sport and spectacle, isn't it? And part of the reason you enjoy it is because it's enter- it's a form of entertainment. And I think the entertainment value has kind of been diminished a little bit 
But actually, I think the events I've enjoyed the most are the ones that have been the most stripped back in a way, like Lexington and the US Open. They seem to they seem to fit the time the best. I remember Mary Carrillo talking about this right back at the start when tennis was coming back, that she wants something real and authentic. Mm. And it felt like the most real and authentic tennis you could get. You know, I was it was it was kind of making me anxious with the balls just at the back of the court lying around. I was worried <laughs> the players were going to trip over them, but it was a reminder. Especially Tomic. Yeah, they just, he just <laughs> lazily put them at the back. And it was a reminder that there were no ball boys. There was only one line judge at the back and there was an umpire. And it just, it felt so intimate and there was no commentary. It was just a feed. And I don't know, there was and, something nice about it. And it, it felt completely apt for qualifying, which is tennis mm. at its mm. rawest. There's something really brutal about qualifying for a Grand Slam, how high the stakes are somehow, but in this really, really, really raw way. Um, and that felt amplified by the circumstances. It, it, was, it was fitting somehow. Mm. And, and yeah, I well, felt the same about it, Matt. Well, she... Um, uh, Francesca Jones was comparing it to reality TV, like an X Factor or something. You have this massive breakthrough moment and it can, qualifying can be the making of you. I mean, even just financially, that has guaranteed her £55,000, which heck of a lot of money for these players, heck of a lot of money for anybody, but particularly these players who are really just struggling to make it. And particularly during a pandemic when all the prize money is going to be down for the next however many years this there are so many wonderful storylines at any qualifying competition and if you just look around and attach yourself to a player and decide that they're the one you're going to follow they will have a backstory of their own they're not in the main draw they don't just get in and get these prize money checks then they may go home they may go all the way out to Abu Dhabi or Dubai and then have nowhere else to go for the next few weeks because they didn't qualify and then what um, and just just one other player I just wanted to mention briefly was Rebecca Marino of uh, Canada who qualified for the main draw and it'll be her first main draw of, at, a, at a Grand Slam at a major uh, since 2013 seven years and you may remember I mean she's 30 years of age now prodigious talent as a junior made made some strides made a breakthrough but just found the the online abuse that she received and all the 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 awful things that can come with being in the public eye too much and she just pulled away from the sport she suffered with depression she didn't play for quite a while and it's just built a comeback and here she is now again in a main draw of a major tournament and i think these were her first matches for 18 months is that right because she she'd made a bit of a comeback as you said two or three years ago but had a injury and she hadn't actually played for 18 months and i don't think she even lost a set in qualifying amazing that's extraordinary oh so many good stories in qualies it's great yeah i i really enjoyed them too sort of sad that sad that they're over but more tennis to come in a couple of weeks time um until then uh we can look to the future make predictions have hopes have dreams <laughs> people on twitter david have been uh, making their big tennis predictions for 2021 what what have what have they been saying a, a cup of something is appearing behind you david oh fantastic look at that my big pre- tennis prediction is that some lovely person 
i.e. my wife will bring me a cup of coffee. Uh, and that's what I've got. Um, no, but I, I, I did appeal for uh, our listeners' big tennis predictions for the year, and uh, got about 200 replies. Uh, here's a, just a, a small sample. Sam says, Del Potro will win three slams. <laughs> uh, Jim Boyle says, Azarenka will win a slam. What do you think? Azarenka, would you sign up for an Azarenka slam right now? No, but she's very much in the mix Okay. To do that. There's, a, there's a two tiers, aren't there? Yes, you will, and mix. Yeah, yeah. no sign. Okay. Uh, Karen McGlynn says Andy, I assume she means Murray, will knock out one of the big three early in a slam to prove a point, obviously. Imagine that. Imagine if Andy Murray just derailed. That is something we haven't players. had in his comeback, isn't it? Him facing. Yeah. We've had him facing Warinka. Um, mm. Yeah, it'd be good going to do that in Australia just at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> we'll find out whether he <laughs> manages to make it. Uh, and finally, Vickery Spreadbury says, "If I'm going big, I'm going for narrative. It's Tokyo 2021. Novak mental slump out early. Nadal injury. Roger throws everything at it. Almost loses to Medvedev in the semi. Finally manages to win a big match point. Plays injured in the final, but drags himself to gold." That's a detailed That's prediction. Very right specific. There. Are we, yeah. are we sure we haven't strayed into my big tennis wish territory No, rather than prediction? Well, maybe we have. Maybe I've, I've combined them. Com- right, so, okay. For that last one. Okay. There you go. And anyone here want to make that. a big tennis prediction right here, right now for 2021? I'll give you two. Yeah. Oh, you can. Yeah, Matt's got one for me then. Go on. Medvedev will win a slam. Mm-hmm. And... You're gonna you're gonna tell me this is a cop out, but I'm gonna go with it anyway. A woman will win two slams. Is that big? Well, it hasn't Have happened since 2016. We've had four different oh, winners of slams every but year Asaka since won then. Back to back slams. So she's the one <laughs> who'd do it. Yeah, if I had to say, I would probably say Asaka. But I think if Andrescu's fit, mm. there's a possibility there. What about Sviante? Yeah. Uh, this is oh, why I've said unspecified woman. It's good, this, isn't it? David, last train's leaving the station for a big prediction. Sabalenka's going to win one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Catherine? Uh, I'm not getting reeled in by Sabalenka <laughs> again. I've been burned too badly. Burned too badly. Um, I think... Two slams will be won by non-big three players. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Mm. There we go. Do you think they will most likely be the hard court slams? Yes. Mm. Of course. Yes. Most likely. Right. Let's stop with unsolicited predictions. (laughs) (laughs) We've got two weeks to be making these. Let's remind you that Bentley is our weekly mascot for this week. Uh, More info about Bentley in our newsletter, which went out yesterday. Was it yesterday or was it Tuesday? Uh, It went out recently and it was an absolute corker. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, um, just do. Oh, my mum wants to be added to the newsletter mailing list. She's annoyed that my dad gets it and she doesn't. 
So if you could right. make that happen, I'll send you please. The, send her the Thanks link. Thanks very much. Um, Rogue <laughs> is David's mascot. Lovely Rogue. Some, gr- right, Rogue. some great uh, photos of Rogue emerge- emerging on Twitter this week. Um, Zeus is my mascot. I'll, I'll say it every week for the next 50, 50, 49, 50 weeks. King of the gods. And Scouser Mousel, searching for the limelight again, is, is Matt's mascot. Um, you found it, Scouse or Mousel, don't worry. Uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and he is a top bloke. And just finally, we have shout outs, Matt. Yes, for Hannah Dunning. Hi, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Thanks for your support. I've got nothing on Dunning. Shall I move on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not in a bad way, no, just in a, you know, not. cool. Cracking name. Good stuff, yeah. Solid. I'm afraid I've got even less to go with with the next one. I just have first name of Ryan, but to help Ryan identify himself, I know he's backer number 24. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Right. Do you think How he has 24 tattooed uh, just above his nipple? <laughs> <laughs> he does now. Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's not going to be able to do the third shout out. <laughs> oh no, but I need to because it's 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 an important one. Last but not least, it is for Ina Graneman. Oh, hello, hey. Ina. Ina's great. Ina, Ina was an intern for us mm. uh, a couple of years back, and she's wonderful, and uh, we love her lots. Um, and we like Ryan too. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ryan. Uh, but no, thanks to everybody. But yeah, Ina's, Ina's a star. Yeah. Thank you, you yeah. Ina. Hope all's well. And uh, thanks for your support. Thanks to everyone for your support. One more week of the Kickstarter. Um, two weeks of quarantine coming up. And the first of those for us is going to be Billy Jean King Week. It won't disappoint folks. Um, so join us on Monday for the first episode of Billie Jean King Week. And of course, after that, it's Australian Open Relived Week. And then it's tennis, 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 exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. So thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. We're thinking of you. Stay well, stay safe. We'll see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.